can travel anywhere in time and space. And it's mine. Please. Look at this. Go on, say. Most people do. on the outside. Hey, what's up? And welcome back to Smaller on the Outside, or as I would like to call it, SotoCast, the first, the best, and the only Doctor Who podcast that you just can't miss. My name is Dave, and I'll be the Time Lord with you this evening, and with me, as always, is... Andy! Who's the companion? Welcome back to Smaller on the Outside. For the first time you are listening to us, we are a TV show podcast. Uh, we often talk about Doctor Who, but sometimes we talk about other shows. Uh, but right now we're talking about Doctor Who and a full. Yeah, re- so why even bring that up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you want to keep listening to the <laughs> podcast after this season, I don't know. Um, no, no Doctor Who news this uh, this week doesn't look like, other than maybe spoilers that I don't know. So. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess we can kind of just get right into it. We're talking about season three. If you are unfamiliar with season three of Doctor Who was of the new series, not the old series, uh, that is the one with Martha Jones. Yes. Uh, who is the companion? <laughs> <laughs> who is the companion? Um, I believe we're, what, what are we doing? We're starting off with the Christmas special? Yeah. Okay, so let me pull that up because I didn't. Even though we, we kind of got into that a little bit last time, but just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually have that one open because it's it doesn't show up on this website. So let's see. Mm. Yeah, sometimes it shows up as the beginning of a season. Sometimes it shows up as the end of a season because they're not really part of a season. The production code is three dot x though, so it is technically part of. Uh, the third season's production cycle. Okay. Um, So, this special was the Christmas special, and this was the one with the Runaway Bride? Yes. Okay. So, this kind of comes right after the ending of uh, David Tennant episodes, which I feel like he had one of the only themes of the end of a season where uh, it's in the TARDIS and he's going, what? 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 Because <laughs> he does that in in season end, enders, uh, just kind of as a cliffhanger for the next or whatnot. Uh, well, I think he's the only one that ever did it, which was kind of cool. Uh, and this one was when he met, you know, what's her face, Donna, uh, for the first time. Yeah, well, she randomly uh, showed up. David Tennant has, I think, two. Uh, uh, signature uh, styles for his uh, season enders. One he does he does that. What what? But another one is the end of his seasons all seem to be like have like a sad element to them. <laughs> like wow. like it it gets sad and then he and then they try to turn it around with that big surprise what 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 thing at the end. What <laughs> what what? Um, so. Donna shows up, and he, a couple of times this season this happens, but uh, the in- <laughs> vulnerable TARDIS has things enter it. Uh, Donna was one of them, and at the very end of it was, you know, the Titanic or not. So, right, right. What, I mean, I understand the Titanic one. They did explain that as shields and crap like that, but 
how did Donna show up? Like, didn't you watch the episode? I, I watched the episode. And I didn't <laughs> catch the part the, where the Huon particles that she had been drinking for six months uh, built up in her body, and the only other place in the universe that has Huon particles is a TARDIS, and they're like magnetic, and so they connect to each other. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they explained it with the with the mug and the pencil. Remember that? Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is stupid. Um, but this is in Christmas 2006. Uh, and once again, I feel like there was those Santa Claus robots and uh, that are always after somebody. And uh, yeah, yeah, another repeated thing with uh, David Tennant. Here's another one. Uh, Donna, Martha. Jessica! Oh, wait. (laughs) Jessica. (laughs) Yes. She's awesome. And Jessica Jones. Um, but I thought that was a very familiar thing when he would yell out Jessica's name because he, because with Donna and Mark, names that end in ah, you know. And in the show, uh, the Jessica Jones, he had a similar, you know, accent. Same accent, yeah. 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 So it wasn't Scottish or nothing. Um, anyways, that Christmas special, I like I, like I said, I'm not the hugest fan of Donna. Yes, they had you know they were funny together, but that's if I want to see something where they're funny together, I'd watch those uh you know comedic specials they did together. Um, it's it's just different for Doctor Who in my opinion. Uh, this one doesn't show off Donna to her best. I, I think uh once you get into season four, that that really makes a pretty big difference. I think for her character. But I think there's still some pretty solid stuff with her in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as rating the episode, I rated it 8 out of 10. Yep. Um, yeah, and by the way, this in- this entire season, I only rated two episodes a full 10. Okay. Two episodes. Don't know if you can guess what those are. Um. Yes, I, I can guess. <laughs> Do you want me to guess right now? Yeah, go for it. Uh, uh, Blink and Utopia. No. No. Blink, yes. Okay. Alright, so, uh, that was that episode, uh, just the special there, and then we finally get into season three, which is Smith and Jones, right? So, uh, the first episode is Smith and Jones, uh, takes place in 2008, uh, and this is the one where the hospital goes to the moon. That's how I always remembered it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And the the first time we see the Jadoon. The Jadoon, yes. <laughs> they also return in Sarah Jane Adventures, but they do return at the uh, season four finale of Doctor Who as well. Yeah, this is, you know, this is also where, obviously, uh, Martha meets the Doctor, and... Uh, Did you catch her uh, talking about her cousin uh, at Torchwood from the previous uh, season? Slightly, yeah. It was, it was short, and... Yeah, but they do they do address that, so I thought that was cool. I still don't understand why your cousin looks like your twin. Because uh, that's what <laughs> Doctor Who universe works like. Like I said, uh, the girl that uh, plays Gwen in uh, in Torchwood is the same actress that plays Gwyneth in like the 1800s <laughs> episode with uh, with what's his name, the writer guy, and the ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So, and in the beginning here, when they finally have her as the companion, the whole idea was that the Doctor was only going to 
uh, you know, it's, take it's her the doctor's along. rebound. His rebound. He's going <laughs> to take her for like one adventure, bring her back home. Um, that's the whole idea in the very beginning here. But obviously, we know how Doctor Who works, and that's not what goes on. Uh, it did happen for one. It did happen for that one dude uh, from 2012 that was in the uh, Alien Museum. He went on that one trip, and then the doctor said no. <laughs> Snapped his fingers, uh, opened the guy's head, and left him at home. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That was fun. Um, this episode I rated 7 out of 10. 7. Yeah. Okay. It was like an average episode. Right. I, I feel like uh, not a huge like premiere opening. One, one uh, important thing that you probably don't usually recognize... The Doctor does get his new sonic screwdriver. Mm. In this episode, uh, a lot of people don't notice that there is a difference between uh, the previous sonic screwdriver and the one that he gets in this episode. And I believe that is that this one can extend uh, upwards, and I believe the original one did not. I think that's the only difference from what I can remember. Yeah. But otherwise, they look exactly the same. Yeah. Episode 2 was uh, the Shakespeare Code. Obviously, you remember this one for Shakespeare, specifically, um, as he does his plays and everything, and he's got a dark force surrounding his plays, and those are witches. Or witches. whatnot. Like I said, these early Pretty seasons, much classic rip witches. <laughs> that's pretty much what they were. I think they cackled and everything. Basically, um, the dark, you know, they, they, they offer, you know, an explanation that the witches are some kind of alien, but yeah. They're witches, and and, uh, and that's the time frame where you'd have, like, witchcraft uh, fears and things like that, um, which is fine and dandy. I remembered it for Shakespeare. I did not remember it for the witches. One thing, when I was watching this episode originally, I was thinking either they really spent a ton of money on that set, or that's some really good CGI for the, uh, for the, uh, uh, the stage. Mm-hmm. The uh, Globe Theater. Turns out there's an actual, like, recreation of the Globe Theater. And that's what they... They just went there on location to film there. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it looked pretty authentic, anyways, yeah. for it. Um, but yeah, I remembered it for Shakespeare for obvious reasons, but not the witches. The witches completely I forgot about. Um, yeah. See, this... Th- this uh, that The episode title that made no sense... That would have made more sense here is the witch is familiar. <laughs> which is familiar. Those those creatures should have showed back up again in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, like I said, earlier seasons like these, the first, second, third, have those weird, like typical supernatural like creatures. So you had your ghosts, you had your werewolf, and your witches. Um, There's another uh, uh, in in later episodes and also classics uh, episodes. The Minotaur. Minotaur? Yeah, you remember that one? Sort of, yeah. I think there are, there's a few things like that scattered throughout the series, but yeah, especially towards the beginning. Um, and to, honestly, it's, they aren't my favorite episodes. I feel like right. they're not original enough, uh, and just kind of weird, I feel like, instead of being really science fiction-y, it's more folklore-ish, which is weird. Right. Um. This episode, I rated 6. 6 out of 10. Uh, I'd probably give it a 7 myself. Just because Shakespeare, you know. 
I thought there was some, I thought there was some good yes, stuff in Shakespeare. Witches, no, it's for me it was like halfway. Yeah, the witches. Them. I don't care for the witches, but the Shakespeare stuff was good. Uh, but there was one cool moment in the episode where they started spewing off uh, Harry Potter. Uh, and there was another Doctor's name uh, reference in that one. Was there? Uh, yeah. Uh, they they said I don't know if I have the quote or not, but uh, the the witch was looking into his his head and said, "Why do you hide your name?" Something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have the quote right now, but well, yeah, she yeah. she was like, "Why do you hide your name so much?" Like, like that. I don't I don't know exactly the words, but it was another reference to the na- doctor's name being a secret or a mystery of some kind. Yeah. Uh, next episode's interesting because it's like finishing off our uh, year five billion like trilogy episodes. Um, the problem. See, this episode for me, I would say, is like. 90% eh, and, like, the last 10% is awesome. <laughs> right. You know? Uh, well, right. In the beginning, you see that, you know, it's Mr. Face of Bo, and then in the end, you see the face of Bo and what he says and everything. Uh, but the rest of it's uh, in the superhighway where everyone's traveling at two miles an hour and have to stop for a half hour each. Or yeah, I, I didn't find the story all that interesting for this episode. Um, yeah, okay, they expanded on the whole new, new Earth thing that they did last time, and and they did, you know, more Doctor Rebound Over, stuff. Overall, <laughs> I didn't care for the people in the episode. I mean, there's the Facebook, yeah. great, but you don't see a lot of them. So, right. I, I gave, like, half points for that. Uh, writing-wise, uh, like you said, kind of mess, so I gave it half four points for that. But I did, I, I kind of like, and I thought... The visuals and stuff like that were kind of memorable because I did remember the episode pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember it. I just don't care for it. That's kind of except for the ending, you know. I, <laughs> I kind of wish there was more with the face of bone stuff, you know. I did actually rate it eight. Probably should be seven for. I should. I I said that it was two out of two for entertainment. Probably should be like more like one. <laughs> but overall, I did give it eight out of ten. No, this one I would give a six myself. I don't know. It is important, though. It's an important episode. The ending is important. Yeah. But I really wish that ending could have been combined with a better story. Yeah. Uh, all right, so... Uh, one interesting fact, I believe, uh, from memory, <laughs> I believe that uh, the the words that the face of both says to the doctor, some of the words he says, not the, not the you are not alone part, but, like, I think he says uh, something like old friend or... I don't know. So, some of the words that they that he originally said they redid. Uh, I don't know if they redid it for the for the home video release or if they redid it before it even aired. I don't remember. Um, but because they knew that uh, by then that uh, you know uh, Face of Bo is going to be uh, Captain Jack, you know. Right. What did they? Oh, because they, they yeah re- they did something. Did they rewrite to make it sound more like it could be? Or uh, did yeah, they, they give away too much on the original writing? Uh, no, they they rewrote it to to fit with the uh, continuity of the ending of the season. Let's, yeah, I don't I don't see yeah I don't see the trivia on that, but I believe that was I, I I'm thinking it was changed on the DVD when they released it on DVD. It was it was uh, different from when they aired it originally. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Uh, 
But the ending, you're right, is pretty good. But anyways, the next episode is a part of a two-parter. Uh, Daleks in Manhattan, not to be, like, confused with the, like, Angels Take Manhattan, was it? Right. Later on? Uh, Around the they, same time period, wasn't it? Did they it? film in New York, or did they... No, not at all. Not at all. Well, well, okay, to be fair, they did have, you know, uh, establishing shots and stuff like that. They did film, you know, exterior shots, but the actual actors did not film in New York. <laughs> okay, because I know that we did have a few uh, American actors um, and obviously British actors trying to act like they're American, I would like say, Andrew I would Garfield. say most of them were British actors doing an American accent. I don't know if there were any actual Americans in there at all. And to you Spider-Man fans, uh, Andrew Garfield's in this episode. Yes. Or in both episodes, right? Uh, uh, yeah, he's in both episodes. He's using his worst American accent that he has. I don't know why oh, he didn't goodness. just do his New York accent that he's actually quite good at. Southern. Southern. <laughs> well, maybe he wasn't uh, good at it at that point. I don't know. I don't know. I because I don't know what he was doing, trying to be a cowboy or something. I don't know. It yeah. just sounded like he was chewing on like. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of foreign people, when they want to do an American accent, they do a Southern accent because that's the more uh, defined accent of American culture, I guess. Yeah. Because the other ones are a little bit more neutral and kind of less, maybe a little harder to emulate. Yeah. But now, this, he does a good job in Spider-Man, but maybe back then he didn't have that down yet. So this takes place in 1930s, uh, and it's obviously Daleks. It's the Coldascaro, um again, or or what? Um, I think I think I don't like these episodes. <laughs> I, I I'm not the biggest fan of them either. I don't really care for the whole crime boss angle. I hate the pig alien things. What the yeah. heck was that? Uh, the, I mean, the human you, Dalek I thought was stupid. The human Dalek, which shows up at the end of the first one and was takes up most of the time in the second one. Yeah. He looks stupid and he... Okay, well, first dumb. of all, yeah, first of all, he's just annoying to me. But second of all, this is the third time now that they've uh, introduced the element of uh, part human, part Dalek, and it's getting kind of old, you know? Yeah. The first uh, time, you know, he, he had, uh, was it part, yeah, it was part, because he had something from Rose, right? And so he had part of the human yeah. there. And then the second time was the, uh, was the, the Dalek Emperor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they hated their own existence because they were part human. And then, then this, so. I think oh, they're yeah. doing, they're, they're overdoing it a bit. And I, I can't express how much I, I hate the, the, the pigs. The pigmen. Uh, Last love. I, I was like, are you, I didn't remember them, by the way, when I rewatched really? it. I'm, I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here? Is this Did you joke? remember Andrew Garfield? Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember Andrew Garfield. Um, that's pretty much the only thing I remember from the episode, actually, is Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't think uh, Mom did because I think she didn't see Spider Man until after those episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I did rate these both, like, seven, uh, and it only really comes down to behind-the-scenes uh, and narrative arc. Everything else is half points. The only thing I would say that impressed me about the episode was, like, the shots of, like, when they're up on the uh, 
the top of the buildings and you look out into the city, it doesn't look all that realistic, but the fact that they were actually able to get a pretty good um, view, um, including, like, you know, missing buildings and stuff, I thought that was pretty decent. Yeah. But otherwise, I, I, I think I would probably give these fives. I don't really care for them. <laughs> Well, if if I were just to rate it based off of entertainment, probably yeah. yeah. Uh, but I I try my best to at least give it credit where maybe you don't notice it because you hate the episode. Um, <laughs> so uh, next episode, episode six, the Lazarus experiment, uh, takes place in modern day or maybe a, a year in the future. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and Professor Lazarus is this old guy that's created a machine that can make him younger, basically. And that makes him uh, evil because the machine also... Because he's Mycroft Holmes. Wait, oh. Well, <laughs> yes, he's he's, all, he's played by uh, Mycroft. <laughs> Has Mycroft played uh, multiple characters in the show? Uh, he's n- two characters. One's a voice, though. This is the only time he's physically been in the show? Yeah. The only other one's a voice in uh, the fifth season. Oh. Uh, fifth and sixth season. It's it's a f- uh, fighter pilot in World War Two. I thought a firefighter in World War II. Fire fighter pilot. Fighter pilot. I don't remember the guy's name, but uh, but remember they they also bring the fighter pilot onto the uh, <laughs> onto the uh, like they bring like all the doctor brings like a bunch of, a bunch a bunch of his friends onto. Uh, the ship where uh, Amy and River were being held, and uh, and one of one of the friends he brings along with like uh, uh, the Santaran guy and and all these other and all these people. Uh, Captain Jack was supposed to be there, but he wasn't. Uh, and then one of them was the fighter pilot from World War Two. <laughs> that might be interesting. So see if you can catch his voice when when we get to that episode. That's the one where the Daleks are in World War Two. But you don't know his name. I don't remember his name. He has a name. He has a um, a name that the doctor no, remembers, though. Hmm. Okay. Uh, try to catch it when it shows up. Um, might be important. All right. So, old guy can turn young at the flick of a hand because he he can live forever now, except for the fact that he turns into a giant bug. It's it's Men in Black all over again, and and <laughs> like. Attack him because he's like this big bug. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, um, but that's basically how the episode goes. Um, I don't remember much. Uh, basically, the, the importance to the episode is basically this is where the audience is really first introduced to Harold Saxon, although he's brought up uh, in several previous episodes. This is really where uh, he starts to become a major factor in the story. Okay. I gave this episode 4 out of 10. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll go along with that. I don't know if I would have been that harsh, but... it it I like the idea in the very beginning of the episode. Yeah. And everything after that... Yeah, I like, like the... I like after, the, I think it's... I like the ap- cold open. <laughs> the cold open was great, and yeah. then the rest of the, the episode was crap, basically, yeah, to me. Basically. I don't know. Yeah. Um... So we move on to episode 7, which is called 42, which is everybody's least favorite episode of Doctor Who ever, apparently. What? Yeah. 
I love this episode. There was this uh, there was this meme going around on a Doctor Who's uh, group page where you know the big alien answer to everything from the you know Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It says the answer to life and all whatever is forty two, and then somebody says, "Okay, so what's the question?" And then and then the big guy said, "What's a bad episode of Doctor Who?" That's not cool. Now, see, the worst episode people typically say is Love and Monsters or uh, or uh, the one with the Olympics or um, the one in Season 8 with the – I think it's Season 8 or maybe it's Season – no, it's Season 9 with the uh, with the sand the, – the sleep, sleep no more with the sand uh, monsters, the eye sand monsters, you know. <laughs> Whatever. I, I don't know. We'll have to get to that some point yeah those uh, three are kind of the worst rated on imdb and kind of tend to pop up a lot when people talk about bad doctor who episodes um this oh the one with the the one the one about the forest too that one now people don't like that one either i think i was okay with that one yeah um it's about a uh, spaceship that's getting pulled into uh, the sun but i liked this one because i liked i liked how it seemed so uh like like uh it seemed like a good threat, and it seemed like uh, like a good suspense. I thought. I found it completely forgettable. I didn't remember the episode at all. Um, you didn't I'm remember. Burn I'm with me. Burn with me is the only thing I remembered from it. Uh, that it that I really like. Uh, um, t- to me, that kind of reminds me a bit of the you know the Satan Pit episode, uh, and also. Uh, if you've ever played, there there was a game on uh, PlayStation 3 and Vita, and possibly PC, but I'm not entirely sure, uh, for Doctor Who, it was called the Eternity Clock, and one of the, there's, there's a few th- different things you can collect in that game, like uh, River Songs Journals, and then another one is hats, and one of the hats is the, is the welder mask, <laughs> and uh the doctor has a little quote that that he says with each 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 hat that you can get. Like one of them's the Stetson, one of them's the, uh, you know, the little red fez, yeah. The and then, yeah, and, yes. yeah, and but the thing is, the doctor is Matt Smith in the game, so you actually get to hear Matt Smith Matt Smith say "Burn with me." I thought that was funny. That's funny. <laughs> uh, so here's my scores on this episode. I didn't care for the people in it. I didn't find them memorable. I gave that zero. Writing, I didn't find the episode at all memorable. I gave that zero. Behind the scenes was okay. Uh, nothing particularly stood out for me, so I gave that half points. Narrative arc was fine. That was full points. And entertainment, I was bored. And I am I already forgot the episode after I saw it probably a few days ago. Uh, okay, that's so, that's weird for me because there's, there's, there's a few things that really stand out for me for the episode um, the doctor getting possessed by the by the uh, the sun power. Um, the fact that that it um, it comes from them like mining the sun's energy, uh, and then uh, Martha almost getting you know killed from from being ejected out in the airlock uh, in the in the uh, escape pod, um, and then also. I, I really liked the thing where the doctor thought he was about to die and he was about to explain the whole regeneration thing to Martha. I thought that I thought those those things to me are all 
pretty memorable as well as the the whole burn with me uh, repeated idea. I don't know. I gave this episode three out of ten. You're crazy. I'd, I'd give it a. I'd give it a an 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 eight. <laughs> Everything past this point, I gave uh, seven or higher. All right. Human nature, the family of blood. That's a uh, two part episode. That's um, a good boy. This is where <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is where the doctor becomes human. Yes. Uh, because of his little stopwatch thing. Very or important. Pocket watch, rather. Um, now, here's my problem with this this episode. I didn't care at all for the family of blood at all. I didn't get it. I, um, the family of blood made no sense to me. I didn't understand why they were such a threat versus, say, Daleks or Cybermen. Um, they explained it, but I don't really care. Um, <laughs> the, the main issue is that the, they would keep chasing them no matter where they go until basically for they would have to give it um, they had to wait it out three months basically for them to run out of energy or I don't know, know what was the issue was going to be there but the important part is that the doctor had to be human and you know what happens when the doctor's human? That was the whole because situation. No, it, it it does take into account humanity questions uh, and how humans are the you know most dangerous and volatile creatures out there. So he's like, look after me. I don't want to hurt somebody because humans suck, basically. Um, and then he falls in love with this girl and didn't even think to to give Martha instructions on that. No, that one didn't pass his mind, and he never chooses Martha because, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I think this episode has a uh, good good story on the actual, you know, the character of the Doctor and, and his and John Smith, you know. I like I like the first one more than the second one. I think there was a lot more of trying to learn what's going on, mm -hmm. uh, him and his dreams, what's going on there. Is Martha aware of what's going on? And and it's all right. a big mystery uh, for the first episode. So I gave that one eight. The second one I gave a little lower, so seven. I would say I like. Out. I would say I like like the first half of the first one and the last half of the second one. But the <laughs> yeah, the, the middle the middle part is kind of like okay whatever. But the that's, that's so it, yeah it, I don't think it needed to be a two-parter. Yeah, you could I, probably I cut it down. Yeah, I don't think that was fully necessary, especially because I didn't care for the. Although enemy. I think that making it a two-parter does make you care more for the whole doctor and other, and that uh, other ladies' rate relationship situation. Mm -hmm. I think that might be why they did that. Yeah. Uh, next episode is Blink, uh, which we've already, uh, talked about a, a few minutes ago. This being, is the uh, highest rated episode of Doctor Who ever. Uh, based off of what? On IMDb. So IMDb says this is the best Doctor Who episode yeah. ever. Well, according to, to user ratings, yes. That's, that's high praise. I mean, it is a very good episode, very smartly written. It's, it's um, another common thing that I, I see with this episode is 
Um, a lot of people get their friends to watch Doctor Who by showing them this episode first and then going back to whatever first uh, first point that they want to start with. I've, I've heard that. I've heard people using Blink. It's just weird to me because it's in the middle of a season. It is, but it uses so little of the Doctor that that it doesn't really rely on you knowing uh, anything about the Doctor because you're learning this stuff through uh, a third party's, you know... Uh, situation and 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 uh and you know you can go back and start over and it doesn't really affect that in any way i don't think so i think it's it, it can be used as a good starting point there this is but the first time on the other hand uh while it can be used as a starting point it doesn't really reflect the show exactly i don't think it shows the writing of the show but i don't think it really shows what the show is yeah um the uh, this is the first time you see Weeping Angels, mm-hmm. uh, in a pretty smart way. I was a little aggravated that the Weeping Angels weren't always going after them from the get go, and they were still, you know, standing still for right. The most part. Yeah, that part doesn't make any sense. Now there is a theory online about the Weeping Angels that it brings the audience into the show a little bit more that. When you see the Weeping Angels and the characters are all turned away from it and it doesn't move, it's because it knows you are looking at it. <laughs> uh, so it doesn't move still. An image of an angel is an angel, right? Right. So <laughs> it doesn't move because you aren't blinking, basically. Uh, which is a cool theory. But for the most part, that's not the case here. I think that's more of a case on uh, other episodes with Weeping Angels. Uh, but they don't attack them, like, ever, uh, until, you know, the audience starts to understand what's going on. And then, oh yeah, the Weeping Angels are all attacking them now. But well, maybe they were being the stealthy. Get-go. Yes. <laughs> I don't think they need to be, because by net, they are stealthy just in general. <laughs> I mean, at very beginning... Extra says, stealthy. I mean, at the very beginning, you have the girl that has the message, beware the weeping angels, right? And she sees the weeping angel in the garden. It doesn't show what happens after that. She clearly probably turns around and goes home. Why isn't she dead at that point? Because <laughs> the she turns around, the weeping angel comes after her. Done. Yeah. But obviously, it wasn't, you know... They they aren't as dangerous in this episode as they have been in other episodes in the future, basically. Although in the season five episodes with the Weeping Angels, they have a they do something completely different than what they do in this one. I think they explain that though, from what I remember. Do they do something different? Yeah, in that one they turn people to stone. Oh, instead that's instead of taking them back in time. But then in the Angels Take Manhattan, they do ter- take people back in time. So. They turn people to stone, huh? Yeah, I think because it, I thought that was part of the like they see themselves and they they themselves turn into stone. They're already stone, but um, yeah. Well, it was the image of an angel in your eye or something like that becomes an angel. I don't know something like that. That's weird. Um, but this is a very good episode just in general. Um, I I understand getting people into the show by watching it for writing purposes, um, but it's. Probably not the smartest episode to start them off on all around. Uh, it's not intended as an introduction, except for the fact that it's an introduction on Sally Sparrow's uh, perspective. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sally Sparrow. Um, That's the thing. Uh, a lot of people, I think a lot of people were expecting Sally Sparrow to be who Stephen Moffat would bring as his first companion. Uh, and, well, I guess she became more famous and didn't, I don't know, I don't know if they ever intended to bring her back or not, but uh, she's probably too famous to do it now. But <laughs> a lot of people did think she would have been a good companion for the fu- for a future season, you know. Yeah. All and right. Since Stephen Moffat wrote the episode. There you go. So, all right. The next three episodes are a three parter. Yes. And it's the finale. It's the season finale. It's the three parter season finale. They are called Utopia, The Sound of Drums, and The Last of the Time Lords. Utopia is. Probably my favorite twist in the series. Uh, with the master? Yeah. Revealing uh, the master at the end there. I was completely blown away when I first saw that. The ending is very good. I will say that much. I liked it. Just like that one I think episode. the build-up to it's really good throughout the episode, too. Um, I didn't care for the future kind. Yeah. Um, those basically primitive... That's just kind of the setting to me. I, I wouldn't. I didn't really consider them a villain. I, the master is the villain, you know. Um, we just don't realize that at the time. This episode brings back Captain Jack. Yes, and that's another reason why I love the episode too, uh, because if you're watching Torchwood season one, this whole time uh, Captain Jack has this floating hand, and <laughs> and you don't know what this is, and then. Uh, at the very end of the last episode of season one, you hear uh, the TARDIS sound, and he, you see Captain Jack running, and that's just how the season ends. And then the beginning of this episode connects perfectly with that. Right. And then, uh, you, and then you find out what that what that hand was all about. <laughs> which was his old hand, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so for fans I, of Torchwood, I think they love this episode. <laughs> the first episode I, I did like, I gave it 9 out of 10. Uh, just because I didn't care for the future kind in general, and the old man didn't really strike me as anything specific until the last, like, 10-15 minutes. Right. Uh, I think they did a good job building up the master, though. The Sound of Drums is the second part of the three-parter. Um, that takes place back in modern time after the master escaped in the Utopia and went to... Uh, current time because the doctor kind of, what did he do? He locked the coordinates in the TARDIS, making sure that the only places it could go is the the end of the universe and modern time. Where it is now and where it was before. Right. So we learned that the Master is, you know, Harold Saxon or whatnot, uh, and he's the Prime Minister, and uh, that's where he starts his reign of terror. The knocking, yeah. Thank <laughs> the you. sound of drums. The sound of the drums. Um, so the doctor's there to stop him, everything. And it turns out, you know, the master's screwdriver can, like, age people. Well, he took he took the uh, Lazarus uh, machine and he transformed it into his screwdriver. Did you catch yeah. that? No. Yeah, he took the, the technology from the Lazarus experiment. And he put it into a screwdriver. Because, do you remember that episode was all about, it had uh, Harold Saxon's people. Harold Saxon, it was his, his, yeah. Yeah, his people were trying to warn Martha's mother 
says, you know, the doctor is not who he says he is or whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. so they were all sponsoring that uh, experiment. So they took the technology and then, you know, bigger on the inside and everything and put it into the screwdriver. <laughs> yes. Um, so he uses that to age the doctor, what? A hundred years. A hundred yeah. years in this episode. Uh, so he's just kind of like an old man in general, which is weird because you have the doctor who lives hundreds of years, still looks the same in other seasons. Right, yeah. <laughs> he, lives, um, he lives hundreds of of years in one life. Like uh, Matt Smith, his character lives, uh, well, before before the time of the doctor, I think his character lives something like 300 years. And then in... Uh, and then in time of the doctor, he lives like another maybe six hundred years, something like that. Mm. The um, maybe eight hundred. I don't know. The master carries around these floating balls with them, which are called the Toclophane, uh, and those happen to be the future. Is it the future kind, or is it? No, uh, it was the it was the humans that were the trying to go to Utopia. Yeah, that were trying to go to Utopia, and so they're just little heads in the the balls that are floating. And they've been rewired to just... Look a little bit like Daleks. <laughs> a little bit. They've been rewired to kill people because it's fun. Even though that will mess up the future where they don't exist, basically, and create a paradox. But the Right, so the be- Master had to re- rewire the TARDIS to uh, to allow for paradoxes. And the TARDIS is a paradox machine, right? Yes. Um, so that's what's going on in this episode. I think it's more obviously a middle connector episode also good i gave this one 9 out of 10 as well um i gave the last one 10 out of 10 that's interesting uh, because i think most people uh rate the fr- the sound of drums higher than the last of the time lords the last of the time lords he's aged 900 years old and apparently that makes him a benjamin button i don't know he's just a small baby with an old face <laughs> It's like like uh, a like a. He's like a bird. Yeah, I don't know what is, he is. Doesn't he look like something uh, like Harry Potter or something? Yeah, he looks like an elf out of Harry Potter or something like that. Yeah, like a house elf. I don't know, uh, but even smaller. Um, so he's put in like a bird cage or something like that. <laughs> okay, yeah. Here, here's my here's my deal. How did he get out of the cage at the end of the episode? <laughs> he just kind of like phased through it, didn't he? Yes, he used some powers <laughs> I'd never seen the Doctor use before, especially the power of thought. I never... Yeah, that's I, why people don't like this one as much as the other one, because they think the ending is kind of like, what? <laughs> it's like, I don't... I can't think of how to write the ending. Let me just throw in the power of thought. Yeah. I don't know. I Well, it would have... I think they should have connected this to the Shakespeare episode. Remember they were talking about the power of words? They yeah. should have. They should have done some kind of reference to that. Uh... And that would have made the it power work of a, a little. Name. The power yeah. of a name. They did yeah, say power that. Of a name. The... Yeah, power of a name, the power of words. That that would have worked better for the episode, I think, if they would have referenced that. Yeah. Uh, but what I liked about this episode was the the girl who walked, um, or whoever, what was it that they call her? Um, I didn't get any. Martha, because Martha walked the world, spreading the name of the doctor. Right. Um, saying she had a a cure to stop and kill uh, the master. Right. Um, creating hope in people, and that hope is ultimately the power of the name, the power of whatever that ultimately saves the doctor's life, renews him, and, I don't, I don't know, makes him fly and stuff. Um, 
I did like this episode because I felt like it was smartly written. Like everything came together. Um, even if I, even if that explanation, it's good in the sense that it sets up uh, Martha's future in the universe. Although viewers of Doctor Who typically don't see a lot more of her. But uh, oh no, no, I guess she's in uh, two more stories of Doctor Who. Well. Sort of three. She has recently said that when she was asked if she would ever consider coming back to Doctor Who, she said never say never. Really? Well, yeah. uh, she's got one more episode, one uh, a two-hour finale of Sense8, and then maybe she can come back again. <laughs> uh, is she in that? Yeah, she's in Sense8. Um, so, I did I, like the, the writing of the episode, basically. Um, and I like how it came together. And then at the end, Martha had to go to her own people. Apparently she felt responsible for everything. I don't know why. Um, and then the doctor's left alone again. That's when he goes back to the TARDIS and the Titanic comes through. But not before a uh, sort of special prequel thing. Right, that that prequel that happens before the... I haven't actually watched that this time yeah, yet. Before the Titanic actually comes through the ship. And that's... Uh, I guess we could talk about that just for a second because I don't think we're gonna really talk about it um, in the next one, okay. and it's 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 just a, a silly little thing, anyways. It's not super important. It's when uh, David Tennant's doctor meets Peter Davidson's Davison. doctor. No Davison, da no Davidson. It's just Davison. Davis Davison. Yeah. Uh, and obviously he's older now, and I, I think who is now his uh, father-in-law <laughs> in yeah. real life. I think they tried to explain the age away by saying the TARDIS was like is stuck between two timelines and, and it's trying to you Com know compensate. Yeah, they for always that. they always say something like that because whenever they bring another doctor back, he's always older than he should be. <laughs> right. Uh, you, should other see, than you should see the one with uh, the last time the second doctor came back, which was like in the I'm thinking it was the late 70s maybe even 80s <laughs> though it is a con conflicting idea though since apparently david Tennant's doctor ages exactly like humans uh age him 100 years he's gonna look 100 and you know maybe each doctor ages differently and then if you age him 900 he's apparently gonna be this small shrunken thing because matt um, smith definitely ages over a thousand years in his life and he, does, he, he he looks like he aged, but not that yeah, much. Yeah, not like you know? that. He looks like what the what David Tennant looked like when he was aged a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, so it it's not it doesn't make a lot of sense as far as that goes. They should have just said, "Let me age you," you know, a thousand years or a million or whatever it was. Yeah, they should have done that instead to make it more reasonable. Yeah, especially because they did do. Works. They have done um, aging the Doctor, I believe they aged, now I could be wrong on the number here, but I, I, I feel like they aged Tom Baker 300 years in one episode one time. They made him look older, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like, you know, like David Tennant there. He had white yeah. hair and stuff, yeah. So I, mean, I, I don't know I, if it was 300 years, but I, 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 was, I felt like it was something like that. So, anyways... That was pretty much season three. Uh, uh, I wanted to mention more about uh, Martha. Like, this episode kind of uh, sets her up as sort of the soldier-type character that she becomes later on, because um, 
and you don't know, you haven't seen uh, Torchwood, but she does uh, join Torchwood uh, for a little bit in season two um, before going on to work with Unit, and, and then she comes back in the next season of Doctor Who for that. And then eventually she becomes like a sort of a resistance fighter again, uh, fighting off uh, monsters with Mickey. <laughs> right. So there's there's uh, I think I think this episode is kind of the beginning of that version of her character, and that and that because of that I don't think the Doctor would take her back as a companion because she is kind of that. Soldier, like remember we talk about the doctor always turning his companions into soldiers. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he would be okay with bringing her back as a full flown, full blown soldier like that. True. The I rated the season seven out of ten in general. That's just uh, everything averaged out. Um, so that is uh, season one was eight, season two was nine, season three was seven. So, so far, it's my least scored season of Doctor Who. Um, yeah, I think uh, it has... Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it has uh, a lower average, but I think I would probably um, rate it higher overall than Season 2 for me. I don't know. I did like a lot of stuff in Season 2. Obviously, I, I think I rated like 4 or 5 episodes, 10 out of 10 or something like that. Alright, so, that was basically season three. Uh, season four is, we're going to be, uh, talking both about season four and the David Tennant specials on the 23rd of September, unless something else happens. But I'm gonna be on vacation in the next, uh, like, week. So, like, we don't have time to talk about it, um, originally planned. So, 23rd, we're going to be talking about both Season 4 and the David Tennant specials. How many specials are there? Four? Like, um, there, uh, one, two, three, there's four stories, uh, five episodes. Whatever that means. Because the end of time is two episodes. Oh, right. So, five episodes. So, it's kind of like, it's kind of like half a season. Yeah. Um, if you want to take a look at it like that. So, it, it'd be That's a why podcast. I had it split up into two podcasts. Yeah. It's like a season and a half uh, episode, so uh, look out for that on the 23rd, unless anything changes from now and then. Alright, uh, and do you have anything else to add, Andy? Uh, no. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in to Smaller on the Outside. Uh, have a good rest of the month and uh, first half of September, I guess. Um, and we'll see you again on September 23rd, uh, when we talk about season four and the David Tennant specials of, what, 2009? Um, yes, that's so, two, that's 2008 and 2009 episodes, basically. Are they? Okay. Well, right, well, so, no, for, for season four and the specials, that's 2008 and 2009. Right, 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 right. Okay. So, until then, peace out. We'll see you guys then. Peace out.